Well, how's everybody this morning? Did you get woken up by the storms that blew through? It wasn't too bad this morning, just, just a little noise for a little bit. Before we begin this morning, I'd like to do something else. Uh, for about the past year and a half, Miss Jerry has been filling in for our youth director as, as the youth director, and she's done a good job. It's been a rough time, but she's done a good job. And I'd like, Jerry, would you just stand up so we can let you know how much we appreciate the job you did? Because <laughs> a time when we didn't have many youth, and so she did the best she could to try to get some, and so it just... Uh, we want to recognize her that she, she did did a good job and was consistent on it, too. So we appreciate you. If you will, turn your Bibles with me to uh, Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 13. Romans chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 13. It's almost ironic, but what Missy was just talking about a few minutes ago is sort of my message today. In fact, this is a subject that I love to talk about. Because it's about God's purpose for our lives. My life, your life, each one of us here, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, this is a message about what God wants you to do. There's nothing that brings me more joy than being able to share the fact that God loves you, number one, but also that God has a wonderful plan for your life. Now think about that just a moment. I mean, this is an awesome statement that God loves each one of you so much that he's designed a plan that nobody else fits in the whole world. What, there's over 7 billion people right now in this world, I'm told, and nobody's exactly like you. And God has designed a plan for your life that fits you to a T. But the sad part is that a lot of Christians never find God's will for their life. It's not some hide-and-seek game. It's not something you have to dig out and just spend hours upon hours. God spells out what we're to do, and he makes it very plain for us if we'll do it. And just as Missy said a few minutes ago, I believe that every one of us have a place in this church to play. I don't mean that play by playing. I mean that play by being part of it, in the part of it. Every one of us. God didn't Send his son to die for us so we could sit on a seat and be comfortable on Sunday mornings. He called us for a purpose. If you will, that verse we just said, I'm going to ask you if you would to stand with me one more time as we honor the reading of God's word. Paul's writing to us in Romans chapter 6, verse 13, and listen to what he says. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this passage you just gave us. And, Lord, now as we expound upon your word, Lord, just open our hearts and minds that each one of us here today, whether there's visitors, they would still feel compelled to respond to you, not to us, not to this church even. But to you, Lord, that you would just impress upon us as Christian people, we're not called to sit on the sidelines and watch things go by. We're called to be the soldiers in the army. Lord, take this time that we will recognize what you're saying to us. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. 
Here is a summary statement. Now, I didn't write this, but I like it, so I'm a, I borrowed it. But here's a summary statement of this, what we just talked about. In order to live a purpose-filled life that God wants us to live, I must commit myself to learn God's purpose, to do God's purpose, and to rely on God's power to accomplish God's purpose. I like that. I wished I had written it, but I didn't, so I, I won't tell you I did. But that's what each one of us here are called for, to serve God in some capacity. God did not send His Son for us to sit on the sidelines and watch the world go by. God has a plan that He wants you to be a part of. There's nothing more important in life than to learn the will of God. Now, I learned years ago, pretty rough times, that, that you know, I had to learn it the hard way many times. God has to teach me, th- you know, knock me in the head several times, get my attention before I finally learned to listen to Him. But years ago, I learned that the will of God... That's why God has given us His Word. God's will is not hard to find. Now, I mean, obviously you're not going to know every detail of it, but we can find it. God does not want to hide His will for your life somewhere you can't find it. He wants you to find it. And when you find that, that is the greatest place. And every one of us in this room has a different will for our life. Now, they may intersect a lot. They may overlap a lot. But each one of us has something that's different that God wants you to do. Every single one. If you call yourself a Christian, then that's God's will has a part for you. God has a part for you to do His will. To do it, we have to rely on God's power to accomplish it. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and you can turn there if you want to, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you, brother, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your lives, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Did you hear that? God says, I beseech you, I urge you, I, I implore you that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know what a sacrifice is? Most times when you have a sacrifice, the whatever's been sacrificed don't get off the table. God says, I want you to be living sacrifices. Now, what does that mean? Well, he means to each one of us that we're to die to the world and live to Christ. As simply as I can put it. it this verse, that verse there, just, it's, it's always been one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it talks about it. The key word, though, is the word commit. We're talking about Commitment. Because we live in a culture that fears commitment. We hesitate to commit ourselves to anything. It, uh, a while ago, Missy was talking about her desire to do something and so forth. And it takes stepping out of your comfort zone and saying, I'll do this if it's necessary. I'll do this. But yet it first has to be that God tells you, I want you to do this. I want you to do this job. I've got this. I've got something I want you to do. And sometimes that's hard to do. I'll give you an example. I've told our church, I know we've got visitors this morning. I've told our church several times, if you had asked me years ago, would, that you're going to become a preacher one day, I said, no, it ain't going to happen. I mean, it's not, not a question. It's just not going to happen, period. And lo and behold, here I is at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. 
God begins to put things in us. And if we'll listen to those, God will begin to work in our life what he wants us to do. But every one of them starts with that word commit. You've got to commit to listen to God. You've got to commit to listen to his word. You've got to commit to being a part of a church or whatever, whatever it may be. And then God begins to work on you. But I want you to notice something this verse we read a minute ago, verse six, uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 13. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, as sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of the righteousness of God. Did you listen to that? Did you hear what he said? Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. That's what he's telling us. You've been saved. You're alive from the dead. You're not a dead person anymore. With Christ, you now live in Christ. But yet we've got to live in Christ as he says. Let's go a little farther. The key word, again, is commitment, is commit. We're talking about commitment because we live in a culture where people don't want to commit to anything. I said a while ago that in a recent Southern Baptist magazine, it says that 5,000 churches, now not just Southern Baptists, this is all denominations, go out of business every month. I don't know about you, but that don't sound like too many years before there won't be any churches around here. And I think what they're trying to say is, folks, we need to wake up. We've got ch churches closing down. Methodists, Baptists, whatever they are, they're closing down every month across our nation. And I believe the biggest problem is that our younger generations, I used to be part of that, but our younger generations don't have commitment to anything anymore. Don't have the commitment to do the right thing. Now, hopefully they'll grow in that. I'm not criticizing them. I just I hope they'll begin to realize there's a need for them to step up and take a place, not only in the church, but in life. And so we need to have commitment. But we're people nowadays that don't want to commit to anything. We hesitate to commit ourselves to anything. We talk about this thing being called the individual freedom. We like to keep our options open. When I thought about that one there, I thought about, now I love buffets. Golden Corral is one of my favorite places because I can pig out and it costs me the same as if I don't pig out. But it shows anyway. But I was thinking about going through a buffet line. You know, have you ever thought, I walked through before, well, I don't think I want any of that, and I don't think I want any of that. And you get the end of the line, or you could get the end of the line, and you got nothing on your plate. Isn't that the way we do it in the church a lot of times? Well, I don't want to teach this Sunday class, Sunday school class, or I don't want to do this, or I don't want to sing in the choir, or I don't want to. And we get to the end of life, and we've done nothing for Jesus Christ without even really realizing it. We've walked through the buffet line. We've looked at things. And we've turned everything down. And then we read those words, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. We've missed the point. Jesus Christ died for a reason, to save each and every one of us, and everybody else for that matter. And most of us, at least in this room, have become Christians. We've, we've been saved. But now what are we doing about it? What are we doing to further that? 5,000 churches 
closing every month. That's scary. We've lost our commitment. That's the way a lot of people treat God. They like to keep their options open. Well, I just don't want to do this right now. There may be something better comes along for me, and I'll just wait on that. But most of them never do anything. Most people never accomplish anything for Jesus Christ. There's a lot. That's the way a lot of people treat God. But if you keep your options open and you don't commit yourself to something, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. We have some good friends. I think I've mentioned them before, but good friends of I've been for years. In fact, while we were both teenagers, well, I was ten and Judy was a teenager, but <laughs> close to it anyway. But it, uh, they, uh, now I can't think of that. Doug, Doug and Beverly Lacey. In fact, they now work for a, the we driver the uh, workers for Christ, the builders for Christ, whatever it is. They go all over the United States and so forth. But I'll never forget one day we were fixing to leave and go to the church over in Paris, Texas, that we'd been called to. This is 30 years ago. And we went over to their house. They wanted us to come over and fix hamburgers and everything, just sort of a going away event and what have you. And I remember Doug and I sitting. By the way, Doug was very successful. He was a college. He taught in college. He uh, had a business of his own. Uh, just successful man. And we was on the back porch, and we was talking about it. And he said something, and I can't remember word for it, but let me just give you an essay of it. He says, whatever you do, don't quit doing what God told you to. I thought, well, that's sort of strange to say. And then he said, I don't know if you know it or not, but God called me to preach. But I didn't do it. And he said, even though I've been successful in life, even though I accomplished things that people could look at, and they were a successful couple, he said, I missed the best that God had for me. And I've never forgot that. And my one goal in life is don't quit before you finish. God's at the finish line. I don't want to quit. I don't care if I'm 85 years old and y'all still let me. I'm going to be here. Of course, that's not that long off, so it may not be that far in advance. But I believe God calls us to do a work. And when he shows us what it is, we need to grab it. What Doug was saying was, I knew God was calling me, and I didn't take it up, take him up on it. I knew it, but I didn't do it. He missed the opportunity. He said, even though life's been good, I missed God's best for my life. Folks, I don't want y'all to miss God's best. I don't care what God calls you. And I believe each and every one of us have something that God wants to do in and out of the church to be a witness for Him. Commitment is the key to an effective Christian life because effectiveness is knowing what God wants me to do, you to do, and doing it. That's what commitment is to us. What does God want me to do? Everybody in here isn't called to be a pastor. Everybody in here isn't called to be a Sunday school teacher. But each one of us, God's given us something that he wants you to do. It may be work with the children. It may be work in VBS. It may be work with the youth. It may be up here singing with the restless group. But God's got something. He's given you talents. He's given you abilities. He's given you things. You need to do it. And the question is, why aren't we doing it? 
I read, the, I read this verse just the other day, and I, I'm sure I've read it before, but it just all of a sudden just hit me. First Peter chapter 4, verse 2 says, He should no longer live the rest of his life for the lust of men, but for the will of God. But you know what part hit me about that? He should no longer live the rest of his life. There's people sitting in here that you're around my age or perhaps even older. There's a couple that's older in here. Thank you. <laughs> but did you catch that for the rest of your life? God says, I've got something to do you to do for the rest of your life. You may have used up the VBS years. I, I don't know. You may have used up the teaching in a, Bible, in a Sunday school. But God says, I've got something for the rest of your life for you. No matter how old you are, how old you're going to be, you can do something for God in that time frame. If we'll just do it. If we'll just get it done. Look at verse, uh, look again, this verse, uh, Romans six thirteen that we just read. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness of, to sin, but pre- present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. He says, use what you've been given. The gifts, your abilities, your talents, whatever it is, use that in God's kingdom. Offer yourself to God. Offer every part of your body to Him. Give every part of you to the Lord so that you can be used by Him. There is no greater thrill in life than to experience being used by God. And He's saying, every one of us in here, no matter what our age is, it's not too late to be used by God. That's amazing to me. For the rest of your life, use it for God. That's why you were created. You were created for Him and you were made for the purpose of experiencing life, the life of Jesus Christ living in me and you. The key to this is called commitment. You've got to commit yourself to this. What is commitment? What are we talking about? Commitment is to give all that I am, all that I have, and all that I and, and I give it to him to well, let me start that over. Commitment is to give all that I am and all that I have, and I give it to his care to take care of it. And I give it him to him to use it. You see, a lot of people say, Well, I don't have any talents. I, I can't get up there and sing a song. I can't play the piano. I can't play a guitar. No, but God's given you something you can do. What is it? I don't know. It may be greeting people at the front door when they walk in. We have visitors here every week. It may be you that needs to go back there and welcome them and say, Hey, man, we're glad to have you all here this morning. You see, it doesn't have to be some great talent that we talk about. It could be a talent of just being friendly to people, to letting them know that you care. Some people care different people. My wife tells me I'm not a real caring person. I know she means that in the wrong, different way, but it, that's uh, she tells me. But she's probably right. Because I'm thinking of other things, and half of, I may speak to you or may pass right by you and not even see you. I'm bad about that. And so sometimes it appears that I don't care. I really do, I promise you. I just, that's the way I am. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. 
But just think about the little things we can do that every one of us can do to make a difference in somebody's life if we'll just take the time. Let's move along. I want to ask you three questions this morning. Number one, why should I do this? Why should I commit myself to this? Why should I give all my life and all that I am and all that I have over to the control of Jesus Christ? Well, there's a simple answer. There's really four reasons, but let's look at the first one. God created you. Paul says in Galatians 1.15, God set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace. That's a pretty good reason right there. God knows you better than you know you. God knows your thoughts. He knows everything about you. Don't you think God could control your life better than you can control your life? Now, I don't know about you, but when I try to control my life, I usually wind up in the bar ditch somewhere. I'm in the, you know, the, the gutter. That's where I'd wind up at. But when God's in control of your life, He controls every step, every thought, every word, every deed. And what a difference that would make if we'd let Him. Because he, can, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Here's another verse. The psalmist in Psalms 139 verse 14 says, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not an accident. You're a work of God, each and every one of us. God created you and God doesn't create anything without a purpose. You're here because He willed you to be here. You're here because God wanted you to be here. That's why you're here this morning. You say, no, I just got up and decided to come to church. No, you didn't. You may think that, but you didn't do that. God began to put upon your mind, you need to go to church today. And He brought you here. I don't believe God allows anybody to just drop in by accident. God has a purpose for them to be here. A purpose for each one of us. You're here because He willed you to be here. You're here because God wanted you here. God also knows what will bring you joy more than you know. God is infinitely wise. He's a lot smarter than you and I are. That might surprise some of you, but He is. God knows what, he's, what, is, going, what is going to bring you joy in your life. Sometimes, you know, I, just in my thoughts, I'll get to thinking, so, now, God, you know, I see what you're doing, but I think we could do this a better way. Why don't you listen to me? Don't say you don't do the same thing, because I know you do. You just won't admit it. And God has to say, why don't you sit down and let me run things? And, you know, God has always run it better than I ever could. I think I'm pretty smart. But compared to God, I'm just a little bit speck on the scope. God knows exactly what you need more than you need know it. He loves you that much. And keep in mind, God loves you so much, He wants the best for you. Let's move along. I believe even when God, even if God did nothing else from this day on to bless me, to bless me materially, to bless me physically, to bless me any way you want to do it, I still would owe him my total commitment of life for what he's already done for me. Because God's brought me this far. 
And believe me, there were some years when I didn't know if I was going to, I didn't know if I was going to live another year. Because I was so crazy in life. And God saw a purpose and brought me through it. And teach us. The next thing we see, the fourth reason I give my life over to Him is this. God promises me an internal, eternal reward. An eternal reward. Now, we're not going to do anything just for rewards, but God says, if you'll be faithful, I'll give you an eternal reward. What is that? As Christians, we should be living day after day as if we're going to stand before Him the next moment. And, you know, it could be the next moment for each of us. There's not a person in this room that knows in a few minutes when we dismiss, you'll get in your car and you'll head to your house. Your house may be just half a block down the road. But there's not a one of us in this room that knows we'll make it to our house without a question or doubt. Because people get killed on our highways every day of the week. And a lot of them are Christian people. If you were to die today, do you know without a doubt where you'd spend eternity? I mean, seriously? If you don't, make sure you do. God knows those details. He knows when you're going to take your last breath. We've got people in this church right at this moment that are in a bed, and they're literally dying, expecting to take their next breath, maybe be the last one. People of our church. It's everywhere, folks. I read this statistic the other day and it just amazed me. Did you know that one out of one people die? Guess what? If Jesus tarries, we're all going to die one of these days. Every single one of us. I don't know of any friend of mine that's ever lived or ever still living or anything else that hasn't died or going to die. We're all going to die. Are we ready for it? What keeps me from giving my life over to God? I think one reason is we don't commit ourselves to God is that we forget that we're created for eternity. We are created for everlasting life. Did you realize that hell was never meant for people to go to? The Bible says hell was created for the devil and his angels. But because man turned their backs upon God... God had no alternative but to allow them. But he also gave them, just like he gives us, a way not to go to hell. But you have to make the choice. Am I going to spend eternity in hell? I don't want to go there. Then there's something you've got to do. You've got to take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Every one of us do. Because if you don't, you're rejecting Jesus Christ. And the only unforgivable sin is when I reject Jesus Christ for eternity. That's the only unforgivable sin. Let's move along a little bit. We're created for everlasting life. We don't take a long look at life and then, well, I'll just wait on this and see what happens. I've been over the years, I've seen a lot of men and women. Oh, I'm not ready to make a commitment. And it hadn't been sometimes, several of them have literally passed away, had an accident, whatever it may be. We never know when our time is up. 
they're going to receive it, but then something's going to happen. The cares of this world, the, the drive for money, the success, reality, be somebody. I want to be somebody before I change my lifestyle. You might be somebody. You might be somebody in a grave somewhere. What's choking out the Word of God? It's short-term values that are right in front of us, and they crowd God out. We're a busy generation. I mean, we got things going on a hundred different ways. And sometimes, even in Christians' life, look around. We've got empty seats. Probably as many empty seats as we got full seats today. A lot of Christian people allow other things to come in their life and not be part of the local church they're a member of. Teenagers. It's getting harder and harder to reach teenagers because so many things pull at their attention. All the chaosness that's in the world today and all the things going on, I don't blame them. Sometimes I get crazy about it. But that's why we need to focus on one thing, Jesus Christ and nothing else. Too many Christians are spiritually nearsighted. We only see the things right in front of us that we want to see. We don't see the big picture of why God created us for His plan in our life. And then the next question, how do I give myself over to God? What do I do? How do I do that? Let me share two quickly, two things quickly that I believe are absolutely critical. If you want to give your life totally over to God, you've got to do two things. Number one, you've got to count the cost. One thing that I really appreciate about Jesus and the way he taught was he was up front about commitment. He didn't say, why don't you just come on and I'll, I'll share with you what you've got to do later. He told them right up front, count the cost before you do it. Count the cost before you make a commitment. Count the cost before you say you're going to do this or that or whatever it may be. And a lot of Christians don't do that. They jump into something and they get disillusioned and they drop out. And that's why we have so many empty seats around churches. Oh, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to go to heaven when I die. Jesus says there's an expensive cost. In fact, he gives us some parables that talk about this very thing. One of them is the, the sower that sowed the seed and how it grew and so forth. And he said, you walk down, you, you're tossing out some seed and says some of it falls on good ground and some of it falls on rocks and some of it falls different places and some of them get, gets watered and it just some of it begins to grow. He said, but there's other seed that is tossed in rock, and it can't take root. Doesn't that describe a lot of Christian people today? They never took root. Jesus plainly says in this passage we just read that, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. He didn't say be dead first. He says, I want you alive. I've got a purpose for you. I want you to be alive so you can show people what a change came in your life. Anyone who does not carry his own cross and follow me cannot be to my disciples, Jesus said. Did you hear that? Anyone who does not carry his own cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. What does he mean by that we don't have to carry crosses anymore. Oh, but we do. What he's saying, when you 
before you commit to the Christian life, make sure you've counted the cost. Because it's not always an easy run. I've been preaching now for a little over 30 years, and I've had some people that actually hurt my feelings. I mean, they said things to me that are just rude. Some people can be mean, even in the Baptist church. I know y'all don't believe that, but in the Baptist they can be mean. Every church needs to make a commitment of the church to them. We've been pushing lately prayer teams, prayer groups. One of the most important things we can do in church is pray for each other, but also for our church on a regular basis. Find somebody. Hey, let's start a prayer group. Maybe you can be on Monday night at 1030 at night. I don't know. That might be the best time. Find somebody and meet with them and pray. Watch it change your life and the life of our church. If we would be a people that gets on our knees and comes back to God in that way. I'm going to lose my rights if I yield everything to God. By that, I mean I'm going to lose my right to do whatever I want to do is what we're saying. Because now it's no longer. What do I want? It ought to be, but what does God want me to do? It's a big difference. So I give up my rights in my own life. It's not my life now. It's now God's life living through you. I'm going to lose control. If I lose control to Him, then I'm losing control of my own life and everything about my life. So I lose control of my resources. I take my time. My, instead of saying, what do I want to do with my time? It now becomes, God, what do you want me to do with my time? Then I also lose the world. No longer is power and pleasure and prestige and possessions and popularity the goal of my life. I give up the pursuit of the world and pursue the things that the world says I've got to have in order to be happy. Those are some of the things that's going to cost you if you're really serious about being in God's will, where God wants you to be. What is it going to cost me if I refuse to give God control of my life? If I keep my life to myself, I say something like this. No, Lord, I don't want you controlling me. What's it going to cost me if I do? I'm going to lose control. I'm going to lose God's purpose for my life. I know a lot of Christians have lost their, the purpose of their life. Just like I shared a minute ago, Doug Lace, a good friend of ours. To this day, he's a very good friend, him and his family. But he was saying that day, 25 years ago, whatever it's been, I missed God's calling because I refused to do it. Folks, God doesn't have a little calling. He's got big callings. He wants to use little people to do great things with your life. I've known Doug and Beverly, and I mean, they're just super good people. I can't imagine what God would have done him if he had responded to God that way, the way he should. If he had been what he answered the way he should. But he said, I didn't do it. And I missed God's best for my life. So you see, regardless of the choice you make, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something if you give God control. It's going to cost you something if you don't. Because you're going to miss the best. So I guess the question is this. What price do you really want to pay? 
You're going to pay some kind of a price either way. So what are you going to pay? Personally, I've decided that the cost of refusing God's control over my life is far too much. I don't want that. That's my choice. I can't make that choice for you. But God's got the best for you. Do you really want to settle for the second best when God's got the best for us? When you look at all the benefits and the blessings that God, that God wants to give me in my personal life, if I will give Him control, I've decided that give God control is more important than anything else. Period. Now, that's my choice. And yes, it's cost me sometimes. But oh, it's still God's best, what I could have done. Let me tell you what I try to do every single day. And some days I just don't let it, I don't let it happen, but it, I try to. Romans says, verse 6, 13, we just read, Every part of your body, give every part, offer every part of your body to him. Give it away to him, he says. Let me have it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, In view of the mercies of God, in the view of what God has done for you as, as in Christ Jesus, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to Him, which is your reasonable service. That's what God says, Paul. Did you catch that? Which is your reasonable service. It's all about commitment. Choose your commitments carefully because you become what you're committed to. Some will stand before Christ one of these days and say something like this. You know, I did a stupid thing. I invested so much of my life, so much of my time, so much of my energy, so much of the things that I had. And I used my life for things that never, nothing was eternal. I wish I could do it all over again. I don't want to do that. I've got one life to live and so do you. I want to live it as close as I can. And I'm not perfect by any means. As Paul said, I'm the chiefest sinner among all of us. But we've all got the same avenue, Jesus Christ. And he can make the difference. So what is holding back going to call, uh, uh, from what's holding you back from giving it all? Is it your career? Is it a drive for success? Is it some kind of relationship? What is it? Christian, has there ever been a time in your life when you've taken everything about your life and giving it back, lock, stock, and barrel to God and says, God, this is what I am. This is everything I've got. I give you my finances. I give you my family. I give you every part of me. And watch God turn it around and make something great out of it. Too many Christians don't do that. What's God speaking to you this morning? Are you where God wants you to be? Are you serving where God wants you to serve? I had a man not too long ago in my office. He said, you know, I just, I just don't feel like God's calling me to this church. And I said, man, then I hope you don't join this church. And I was as serious as I could be. He looked at me like strange. He went, what do you mean? I said, you just told me you didn't feel like God was calling you. Then don't join because all you'll do is mess up the mess we've already got. Go where God's calling you. Do what God's calling you. And if you listen to him, he'll make it clear to you. But oh, how we've got to get on our knees and listen to what God's doing in our life. You can't speak for anybody else. 
I can't speak for you. All I can do is what God's telling me to do. It is not the path I would have chosen, I promise you. But he chose to use me this way. How's he using you? Let's stand together this morning. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us and as we come to close this service. Lord, you know the needs in each one of our hearts here today. And Lord, we just ask that you would just open our hearts to be receptive to you. As the music sang in just a moment, that each person here would do as Paul tells us in the New Testament, to examine ourselves to make sure of our calling, whatever that is. Lord, just open our hearts to be receptive to you. Thank you, Lord, for each one that's here. Lord, I don't know the needs in their hearts, but whatever it is, let this be the day that they make a commitment, not to me, not to this church, not even to to our Sunday schools, but a commitment to doing things your way in their, their lives. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.